Welcome back to the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. This is episode number 36. And as always, you're joined by your usual co-hosts, Lawrence, DYDC, and Jack. But we thought we'd double up on the Jacks today. And, you know, there's nothing more Australian than a British person. So we thought it was only right to have someone from across the pond on the podcast. And it is the famed, the mythical, the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Thorburn. A mythical dragon. I don't know if I class as a pom because I'm from Wales. So mm. what's British? What, we, what? Yeah, but yeah. I class myself as Welsh. So I don't know what I don't know what the the Aussies' opinions are of the Welsh. I know um, the English not quite as favourable, but I don't know whether we're all sort of grouped together. Yeah, I think you grouped together. To be honest. All right. Okay. <laughs> so there's no escape in that. Okay. <laughs> Look, if you're in the bodybuilding community, we love you all the same. That is true. I, to be fair, ever since I've got in, because I used to, I used to play a lot of rugby. As soon as I got into the bodybuilding sort of community, all of that sort of, um, sort of hate, not hatred, but between countries and stuff, that all went out the window. Because obviously, with body, with with rugby, Wales and England, there's a big rivalry. But the second I went into bodybuilding, that seemed to sort of go completely. There was no animosity between anyone. So I, I understand what you mean with that. Mm, absolutely. Well, I'm happy to cop uh, Big Jack today, and then Mr. <laughs> Thorburn can be Little Jack, maybe. Okay, I'll accept that. <laughs> well, it depends. Mr. Thorburn, what was your actual last stage weight? Like, what was the lightest you got to at the end of last year? Um, I, I, I want to say it might have even been into the 160s. Or you're going to need to translate for us, mate. What are you, kilos? Yeah. Um, That'd be under 80. 72? Yeah, 72. 72. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it was that. It was below 80, but that was me. That was me absolutely emaciated. I'll find mm. that exact. Uh, yeah, so. We got well, I know Jack, beat, Jack beat me, beats me in the off-season body weight, that's for sure. I think, what, you got above 220, yeah, what didn't you? What are you pushing up to in the off-season? It depends how far I let myself go. <laughs> I've, I've, I think I've got to, I've got to 220 before, but that yes. was chunk us 220 and but i think a, a more reasonable amount is just over 210 maybe 212 but we'll mm. see this year it might it might be completely different again this year so yeah i think the highest i'll get to was probably 210 so yeah you definitely trump me there yeah so at my lowest it was uh 76 kilos okay mm. so yeah. pretty similar to but I, that was that I was off. I remember AJ saw me that day when I hit that mark, and he said, "You look horrendous." Sorted <laughs> out basically, because I I was um, one week out from the BMBF finals this year, and I wanted to squeeze down from heavyweights to middleweights. And I went to the Arnold Classic in the UK. Um, I went to the expo there, and I managed to lose six pound over a weekend. And at the time, I didn't really have six pounds to lose. I was basically in stage condition, and I somehow managed to take off six pounds just from being at the expo all weekend, working the booth and sort of like walking around all day. So um, the luck that week was a skeleton, basically. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy to lose that much on the back end of prep too. Like six pound yeah. on the back end of prep is crazy. So I couldn't imagine right. the amount of steps you would have felt. I think I think that I must have been into sort of week 28 or so of prep at that stage so i was like right at the end of prep and i was still losing that much but i don't i don't really think it was for the better 
But um, yeah, I think the the decision was to get down to middleweights because I knew everyone that had qualified for middleweights. So I knew if I did, I'd win. No offense to any of the other boys. And then it, I got shafted because Liam, who is a previous British champion, you'll know him as Flex Luger on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, he's a previous British champion, so you don't have to qualify. Uh, and he didn't tell anyone he was doing it. And then he turned up on the day, and I, I looked at him, and just shook my head. Uh, there was a there was a couple of curse words being thrown, but um, yes, all that suffering was for nothing, really. So, as he walked away with your sword, yeah, he did. Well, the actual sword, not my my sword, but yeah. <laughs> How was it? Oh, you can go online. Yeah, man. Well, I was just going to ask, you know, in terms of just giving our listeners a bit of a, you know, a quick whistle stop tour on on all things about like the UK feds, like obviously those tapped in who maybe follow the scene will know like the two big ones. But, you know, if you had to, you know, round out how many major feds are there, like for natural specifically, and, you know, of those, which ones do you prefer competing with? Yeah, well, so in the past two years, there's kind of been an exposed, well, there's been, there's been a few issues because originally there were two main natural bodybuilding federations, like big the big names, and that was the BMBF, so the British Natural Bodybuilding Federation, and the UK DFBA, which is the UK Drug-Free Natural Bodybuilding Federation. Um, they were the two main federations, and then the UK DFBA broke away from their affiliation with the WMBF over in the States. And, and then since then, the WMBF then started up their own federation in the UK. So now there's sort of three main, which seems quite a lot considering the UK isn't a massive sort of country. Um, so we've got three, three natural federations at the moment. Um, personally, I really enjoyed the WMBF this year. Um, well, I'm, I'm bound to say that because I won for a start, but... Um, I think because they're very early in their their sort of development, they're going above and beyond to almost try and outdo the other two federations. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see if if the sort of because the way they treated their athletes and what um, not just on the day but building up to the show and after the show because obviously I was I was lucky enough to to go to the states with the UK team as it was. Um, yeah, the way they treated their athletes, the sort of the stage on the day, uh, they really did go above and beyond. But like I said, it'd be interesting to see now if that standard is sort of maintained um, in the next couple of years, because I feel at the moment it's kind of, they're putting a lot of money and a lot of time into almost outdoing the other two federations, because I think there is a little bit of sort of conflict between the WMBF and the other two federations. The other two get on quite well in harmony because they've been around for years and years now. But um, it'd be interesting. It's, and it's strange as well. Like All three federations have their plus and minuses. Um, and also all three federations have their own... They're renowned for having their own personal likes in terms of like a physique, etc. And I don't quite fit the other two federations in terms of the look. I fit the WMBF a little bit more. Um, because the other two are renowned for liking shape, and my shape isn't great in terms of I got quite wide, quite wide hips and narrow shoulders. 
even though I am doing my best to obviously change the difference between the two. But yeah, that's sort of the rundown. You could probably go on. There's there are a, another sort of two or three natural federations, but then I'd be talking all day about that, and I haven't personally um, competed in any of them, so I can't really comment. So how what was the deal with like the BNBF and the the DFAC pros merging together? Did that happen, or am I? Yeah, no, no. So that that's that's been that's been a thing for years. I'm not quite sure of the history, but they've always been affiliated with the two. Um, and like I mentioned, the UK DFBA was affiliated with under the WMBF and the WMBF Pro, but they split, uh, and now they are with. Oh, I'm going to butcher the name now. You'll know because aren't aren't the Australians affiliated? Um, oh, what's the, I think it's the A and B, isn't it? A and B. Yes, yeah, the one that holds yeah. the natural Olympia. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Yeah, because I think, yeah. I think oh, there's yeah. a competition this year, isn't there, where some of the UK competitors are coming to Australia for the for the worlds or the. Oh, that, yeah, that, yeah. that is that is the D that's DFAC, I believe. I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah it is. Yeah, so okay, so so that's different. So that'll be the BMBF boys. They'll be coming down to Australia. The the UK DFBA. It's IN, oh, it's INBA with is with INBA? Yes, yes, INBA. That's, right. that's correct. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There's mm. there's so many letters being thrown around now, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. Because here we have like ICN is our biggest yeah. one here, which doesn't seem as big like anywhere else in the world. Like the ICN shows are, are far and away sort of the more competitive ones here. And then there's NBA, which is, you know, a little bit more up and coming. There's INBA, which used to be ICN and Used to be a bit bigger, but now it's a bit smaller. And then, of course, now so does, does the ICN have any affiliation with any worlds that any bigger? It doesn't. No. Well, it has its own worlds, like mm. ICN worlds. But um, yeah, they're yeah. Not but does that does that involve do other competitors from across the world come over for that? Yes. Yeah, it, they it, do. Got yeah. Some, yeah, very big in like uh, Korea, like you know some of those Asian countries. Then right. also some European countries as well. Like they've got the next worlds, for example, is over in Rome. So they'll go over to Rome and then they'll, but I don't know how big it is over in those European shows, but I know it's Maybe very I'll, big. In like I'll, start, I'll start the UK ICN and I'll magically win and qualify for worlds. Treat, treat myself, business expenses over to Rome. That'll be a nice little holiday. <laughs> That's the plan. That sounds perfect. How good. That's the plan. Oh. And how how was your trip to the US? Because that was was that your first time going over there? Uh, it's my second time going to the states, um, but my first time was when I was about thirteen, going mm. to the typical Florida trip. But no, in in terms of that that trip, that was honestly like a dream. Talk when I talk about it now, it, it almost seems like it was a dream because I quickly woke up in sunny Barnsley in north of England. It's not sunny, by the way, um, on a Monday morning and it literally felt like I dreamt it all because I was back to reality. But honestly, it was, I'd, I'd argue, the best sort of week slash 12 days of my life. Um, we had the first four days there, which was like eyes on the prize, all business, because we still had the show. But then I made sure that we booked another week there afterwards because some of the competitors didn't. They just did the show and they, they were gone the next sort of two days. But I thought whilst we're out there, um, especially in LA of all places, we definitely wanted to make the most of it. So, um, and by make the most of it, mostly was eating a heck of a lot. So, yeah, I saw it. I think it was IHOP. I saw them getting hit up a bit. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think I you did a robbery on them. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I I spent one hundred and sixty dollars in IHOP in total. I think so. They uh, they definitely saw me coming. But I thought I'm the problem with me is I can be really strict post show. Um, in previous years, I have literally done no no off plan meal afterwards and just got straight back. I've had a game plan. I've gone straight into it. However, this time, I said to myself, "You're in the states." You know, you've had a hell of a long season. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Just not kind of let your hair down, but I would allow myself a meal off every day, like just one. Um, but I say just one. That meal was easy in excess of 4,000 calories every time, probably. Mm. Um, whereas the the other competitor who I was with, I'm not sure if you're familiar with James Alabaster. Have you ever seen any of his stuff? He's a yeah. junior bodybuilder. He's got great potential, but he's also got a great appetite as well. So he he was eating like an off-plan every meal. So the amount of food that boy was eating was unbelievable. Um, and I'd, he probably won't watch this, but he's already wrecked his off-season. Like a couple of weeks ago, he was already talking about mini-cutting. And it's like six weeks post-show, honestly. Mm. It, but I mean, but, you're describing many when, competitors post-show. Yeah, yeah, but the problem with it is this this boy has infinite potential. I mean, he's an incredible, incredible bodybuilder, but he's just you can't control what he puts in his mouth, basically. So I guess for in terms of your sort of because we we uh, we all know you are someone who is quite meticulous and quite nuanced in your approach, like taking a bit more of a relaxed approach for your um, kind of recovery phase, especially since the the end goal is to kind of regain body fat anyway. Like, do you really think that negatively influenced things having like relaxing uh, being in the US more? No, it, it definitely didn't. It, it definitely wasn't negative in terms of like physically gaining body fat. Um, one thing I suffer with, and I noticed it more than ever this year, is my my body is really retentive of water. And honestly, within sort of a day, two days, my stage condition was got like, was gone. Um, which is which is mad, really, considering how lean I was. There's no way I gained that much body fat, but the amount of water I gained was ridiculous. And we had a we had a professional videographer out with us, so I was quite looking forward to getting some good um, sort of lean pictures in in Gold's gym, this, that, and the other. But it, I know I still did, but I wasn't anywhere near in the condition I was, and I I lost it within a couple of days. So. I missed out on the opportunity to get some good pictures, really. Um, but, you know, it's um, I, I enjoyed it. And I think I, I always knew that, you know, if I had to correct a little bit when I got home, I was almost willing to do that. Even if I had to, you know, I've, I went straight back to the diet that I was on pre-contest as soon as I got home. I didn't go into, like, an off-season meal plan so, just to kind of, like, kind of like is, well, go on. Well, I was just going to ask, is there, like, a particular amount that you try and aim for post-show? Like I know 3DMJ kind of referenced the five to ten percent. No, I um I I I'm renowned for just never living off sort of any of these numbers. You know, mm. you know, if any of you, you know, watch my training, this that and the other, I'm not prescribing sets per week, this that and the other. I just go a lot of it's just going off feel. I know it's very bro, but I'm so monotonous with my diet. I know roughly if I eat this much, what I'm gonna do. And I knew that what I was eating was keeping me roughly at maintenance because it was, I went straight back on the food that I was eating before the show. 
And I know it was like roughly 4,000 calories, which is a bit absurd, really. But that saw me kind of kind of like maintaining. So I jumped straight back on that to kind of like tidy it up. But unfortunately, then I got really ill when I came back. So that kind of derailed me a little bit as well. So in terms of managing that sort of post-show recovery, do you when you when you say that you go a little bit more off feel, is it more in the sense of like let's say you're still feeling some of those those that you know diet fatigue, you're still feeling some of those ne- negative adaptations, or not even negative, but adaptations as a response to the diet condition. Do you do you look at that as in okay, I'm still experiencing this lull in energy, I don't quite feel right in the gym. This is a, a proxy to perhaps I need to increase my weight further than than where it is right now as a means to further recover. Do you sort of put anything like that in in in, in place? I think in, in terms of what I'm going off in terms of like feedback, it's more because I, I know ultimately that's gonna that's gonna change as bo- sort of body weight comes up, as body fat um, comes up. So with me, I monitor more my gym performance. So how I'm feeling, well, like you said, to be fair, how I'm feeling in the gym and so what my my lifts are doing. Uh, weight would be one and then also just like body composition. So I know if my weight's sort of coming up half a pound a week to a pound a week, I'm roughly in the sort of right spot post-show. So I, I know if I do that, those other metrics will take care of themselves. So like the hormones mm. and this and that. Mm. It's very hard to measure that because you know if you're if you're going off feel, there could be so many other things that could be interfering with that. So I know if, like I said, if my if my weight's coming up by that sort of half a pound to a pound, the Aussies that's what that's ha- roughly half a kilo, just below maybe. Mm. Um, yeah, that that that's more more what I put weight on really. And and to be fair, I. I love training so much. Ultimately, almost everything I do is dictated by how my gym performance is going because I know I mentioned at the start my my hefty 220-pound off-season when I was a chungus that I didn't care at the time because my training was so good that I knew I could take it off eventually, but I'm so in love with training. That's that's why I always say, like, I I don't bodybuild to compete. I compete because I bodybuild. Mm. So the stage is always just a is is the end product of how much I love training. Um, and I think that quite often that sort of separates people that are successful really, because I, I often find that the people that come they train just to get on stage often don't last. For sure, yeah. And going going back you, to I w- think I think you'd all agree because I think all of you sort of love to train. Mm. I think that's sure. the riding theme. Mm, I guess that's a, that's that sort of in, in intrinsic motivation, like that passion, because you just love what you do, right? And as a proxy of doing so, you do it for long enough that you know you then move into your next in your next season of competition, and it kind of just rolls through, and that's how you maintain it as a lifestyle. Yeah, it's so true, and that's such a great take home take home for I think a lot of the listeners as well to have that you know passion towards bodybuilding as a whole and as a lifestyle, because it'll probably reflect very positively on your overall bodybuilding career in terms of competitions. I think I think all of us love the training first. The training's the first thing, and then yep. once you've trained for so long, you love it so much. You're like, all right, well, what can I put all this energy into? Like, I absolutely mm-hmm. love this. Like, my diet's in place, and that's where other people look at, like, I guess, powerlifting or bodybuilding, because it's either one of the two, or majority of the time, that's where you go down. I find a lot of people that honestly do bodybuilding wrong is they look at bodybuilding first. They're like, that's what I want to be. I want to be a bikini athlete, and then they don't even like training and nutrition, and they just. Mm-hmm shoot themselves in the foot. And Jack, I was going to 
bring something up that we uh, sent it into our own group chat earlier today. And we actually, funny enough, alluded to it off, uh, off camera as well. This, the blending of the meals. I think it was Jeremy Potvin, you know, he was shoveling his chicken and his rice and then some water into a shaker and blending it up. And I just thought, man, like, like at the end of the day, like, I don't care how full you are. You can surely find a way to get those calories in by eating them. Like, you know, Radford Smith was shot in olive oil, for goodness sake. So where's your head at with that, mate? What do you reckon? Well, personally, I've always struggled with it because I have a massive appetite. Massive. Um, Even at 220, you were were still fine with the appetite? Oh, yeah, I was still, I think at 220, I was still, I've never got to a stage where I'm not maximizing the volume of my oats. Never. Peak off season, Impressive. I'm still like so. I I listen to I listen to you boys sometimes, and I sh- I shake. <laughs> so, Here um, we are talking about getting rid of oats because we're struggling to eat enough, food, like struggling to eat our food. Right? We're like, how can we get this this these cows down? And you're you're in that position where you're like, man, I'm so hungry all the time. When what I was are these guys talking your, about? Your, when I was listening to your food tight food championships, I was just distraught. <laughs> when oats got the boots out early, but um. Yeah, no, I think because I've always had a massive appetite, my opinion's always been to eat the food. Um, you know, I'm I'm like even finding ways to maximize how much rice I can have. So I'm using loads of water, this, that, and the other. But um, then again, I've never pushed my cow. Like I know boys that do sort of nearly 8,000 calories a day. And I think when when that becomes the case, that would be horrendous, really. I think what... What it might be an issue with a lot of people is that is the amount of time they have. So if you if you're sort of like an online coach like myself and I can sit here and eat my food even like whilst working, I noticed a big difference in the ease that I could eat doing the job I do now, as opposed to when I was teaching a few years back and I had to eat the same meal within like a 15, 10 to fifteen minute break whilst teaching whilst supervising the schoolyard. And having kids pester me all the time, either asking me what I was eating or I had to break up a fight across the playground, you know. So there's different circumstances. I can definitely see why a blended meal in that situation would be the better option. But I think I'm quite fortunate in that regards to be able to sort of sit down and eat because that makes a massive difference, especially like being a bit stress free as well. Because I can tell you, I was not stress free whilst watching that playground. So yeah, did um did any students follow you? On Instagram, <laughs> hundreds, absolutely really? hundreds, and yeah, yeah. yeah. But the pro- the problem so that's is that's where all your followers come from. Ah, well, that's at one stage I thought, you know, what, I'm in here because because I used to do s- supply, so it would be in multiple schools. So at one stage I thought, oh, if I can get away with this, I'm gonna have the whole school of like five schools follow me, and that'll be a few thousand followers. <laughs> but um, it's funny because some schools would remain oblivious to it. So they wouldn't fight. They wouldn't find me, and they never had any intentions of finding me. Whereas other schools, I kid you not, first lesson, I'd sort of lean over the desk. They'd see my name tag. Whilst I'm talking to them, they'd be under the desk. Within seconds, they'd be like, "Sir, you're a bodybuilder." And if that if that happened, the whole school would know within that lesson because it obviously gets all sent around. Um, and no, I've I've had pupils sort of come up to me with printed pictures of my ass on there. <laughs> so, yeah, this is your ass, man. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Tw- 25,000 people have seen it as well. It doesn't bother me. Um, and then they quickly lose interest. But 
no, it has. I, I don't want to say it has got me in trouble, but I have. I have been called into. I was called into meetings about it before because it's kind of understandable. Yes, I'm not putting any. I'm not putting any bad information out there. If anything, I'm trying to motivate people, um, which I, I'll come on to that again in a second. But I can understand where they're coming from that they see their teacher in in skimpies on a daily basis. But um, but in terms of the, the motivational side, it was quite cool. I had um, at the Arnold UK two years ago, a, a boy, walk, two boys walked up to me and I quickly sort of noticed that it was two boys that I used to teach in school. So I'd kind of motivated them to get into training, this, that and the other. And they were now well and truly in sort of into bodybuilding. So I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, Instagram is just such a good, well, I mean, you did it in person, but even Instagram is such a great platform for, for inspiration. Like I've been following you since, uh, since 2017, I followed you and AJ at the same time. So yeah. um, it's been cool to see you guys evolve. Well, yeah, like, sir, you're, you're a, you're a bodybuilder, quarter turn to the right. <laughs> Side <laughs> chest. To be fair, to be fair, I would, I would wear uh, the shirt because it's quite i'm not i'm not saying i'm a big big boy at all but to but to buy shirts that look smart and not like massively oversized and baggy and you look like a dad the shirts that i'd wear would be quite revealing like you could see my chest and they they clock pretty quickly they'd be like, oh sir do you go to the gym how much do you bench that would always be the question but the age-old um, question when, right then the fun, the funniest story i've got was I took this year nine class, so they must be about fourteen uh, for a gym, a gym class. So they could, I think, they were a year before they could actually use the kit. But so we were just doing like body weight exercises, this, that, and the other. And there was a bench in the gym. They set up sixty kilos on the bench, and the bell had gone for the end of the lesson, and they wouldn't let me leave unless I did max reps on sixty kilos on the bench. So they blocked the door. And they said, sir, you've got to go on the bench. And I, I just maxed it out on there. And I had, I had one of those tight, tight shirts on. And I came off it because it was 60 kilos. It was quite a few reps. Like it was in excess of, I think it was nearly 50. So I came off and my chest was blown. And they just looked at me in awe. They were like, oh. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully that, that has, that has uh, inspired a couple of those boys to jump on the bench now, sir. So especially being that age you just look at someone who has even a little bit of muscle and you kind of revere yeah. them as god so you can only yeah. imagine well, that, what they that, thought of you that's exactly that's exactly how i got started with it all my two pe teachers back in school especially one of them was was known as roid head bartley because we all thought he was on the juice at that <laughs> he was a big he was a big lad so he, he was definitely someone that saw because you are so easily influenced at that age and i remember all the all the girls in school kind of had a little childish crush on him so i i thought oh well that having muscle must be the end thing so that's kind of where it all started really and then you quickly realize that they don't really care and it's just all the boys <laughs> well going going back to wmbf uh worlds like uh we we will have a lot of australian listeners who um because wmbf has just popped up here and a lot of people will be traveling over to worlds in the coming years so like what was your experience and for some people who ha have never competed over there it i think it, I, th I believe it was their biggest world news can you hear me still yep 
We got I you. know my screen's gone all over the shop. <laughs> um, that is not a good screen freeze there. But um, <laughs> um, in terms of the event itself, I believe <laughs> DY snapping it. I believe it was their biggest worlds ever. I think it was. It was. I think about three hundred, maybe even more athletes. So it was a huge event. Um, very well ran. The only issue was the venue we were meant to have it at was this massive modern venue that they had it all sorted. And then I believe two weeks out from the show, um, they found out that there was mold in the venue. So they actually had to move it. So two weeks before this huge event, they had to try and find a new theatre. So they ended up moving it to this old theatre um, in a place called San Pedro. And it was the epitome of kind of like LA vibes, but um, it was a really nice, really nice venue, but it was very old. So it would have been interesting to see if, how, how it would have gone at the, the previous venue. Um, in terms of how it was ran, I know it definitely ran better than previous years because I know in previous years that they were literally at, I remember seeing AJ's story and they were still watching the show at like one o'clock in the morning, I believe, mm. but there was none of that this year. I think it was all done by seven, seven o'clock in the evening, which is obviously amazing. But I was at the venue at eight o'clock in the morning. So they, they definitely sort of changed it to start a bit earlier. So it was definitely better run this year. Um, in terms of like my experiences backstage, this, that and the other, it was, it was fantastic really. Considering the amount of competitors they had, it was re really well ran. Um, the state, the stage was pretty good. Lighting was pretty good as well. Um, I, I'll still go out on a limb and say the BMBF over here do the best lighting. I don't know if you've seen any of the shots, but they're, they're like, you've got some quite good lighting over with you, though, in some of the ICN shows I've seen. Um, but also, mm. what, what, what tan do you use? Uh, we use uh, Dream Tan. Uh, well, that's, 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 that's yeah. the thing, see. You, you're allowed to use Dream Tan over here and also over in the States. They, you've got no chance of getting away with that. Um, there were, I, I did debate trying to use a little bit because you can get away with using a little bit as long as they don't, it's not obvious. But um, it, it wasn't worth it. I wasn't I wasn't going to risk getting thrown off the world stage just for a bit of uh, extra time. Mm. Yeah, well, do you know Brandon Kempter? Yeah. Yeah, so, well, DC is like, you know, he's Brandon's colleague and Brandon, unfortunately, got um, penalized for using dream 10 at worlds like he looked unbelievable like probably should have won his class but unfortunately they you know they... so what did they do they allow do they allow him to compete and then just knock him punch because of it uh, it's sort of i think so that's kind of what it looked like like he kind of looked like the best guy on stage and they're like oh why is he yeah. in second and you know i think that was sort of the reasoning behind it but um on WMBF worlds as well like Obviously, a lot of people from the the scene, you know, you always see the 3DMJ guys there. AJ normally gets across. Like, are you going to be, you know, trying to get there regardless of whether you're competing or not? Or is that something in the cards for you? Potentially. It would, it would depend on whether I have any sort of athletes out there this year. Um, I have a couple of people competing. I don't know whether they'll end up get because some of them are quite early on in their competitive sort of careers. Um and also it depends on whether my accountant is willing to swindle a few things and get me out there on business expenses. So that, mm. that would, uh, you know, because if that's the case, it is a free holiday as well, um, which would be nice. Because I know AJ spent, you know, multiple weeks out there because he obviously went from 
the Olympia then over flew across to then go to the WM of Worlds. So, and I know there was another um, athlete who did the, he did all three. So he went from the DFAC in the Cayman Islands and then he went to uh, the Natural Olympia and then WMBF Worlds. So he was out in America for about a month. So that must have cost him a fortune. Yeah. So, What an experience though, hey? Like that's definitely an incredible season to be able to tick off those those shows. Yeah, no, I think I this year my I, I set a goal to try and compete abroad. And the, I, I actually qualified for the Cayman Island show as well. But it it's it's two days worth of traveling and it, that's technically four days of traveling then if there and back and i think that would have that would have set me back potentially quite a way so i i, I didn't think it would be worth doing that to then try and go out to um la as well because i know also it's lucky i didn't because on the way back they actually got held up for a few days um in a in a storm so that would have really sort of not derailed my prep, but it definitely would have put some challenges. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the Cayman Islands and accountants because DY's accountants is actually based in the Cayman Islands. So, yeah, it's funny how it all works out. How it's else did you have the Audi, mate? We're all asking questions. It's business expense needed the car. Like, how else am I getting to the gym? <laughs> <laughs> no, because when, when, we, when we went over to the WMBF over in New York, since I took my partner who competed in it, we were able to pretty much take the entire trip as long as I was with my athlete. So yeah, but I was at the WMBF show that was, that ran real late and wow, it went to like 5am in the morning. I think BK was one of the last divisions. I think he finished up at like, we left at like two and he was pretty much there at like three or four still before he had to go on for his divs. That was like the longest show I've ever been at. It was like, it was excruciating. I couldn't imagine the athletes. They've made sure they've they've turned they've like switched it around now. So the pro show is first is first. So you watch all the pros and then it's the amateur after that. So I think that was kind of why they did that. Did did you did you have to change anything from the BMBF to the WMBF? Because I know the WMBF I believe normally likes to tuck the glutes. We've had this discussion on the on the podcast before, but over at the BNBF they don't really tuck their glutes at all. Like, did you have to make no. any changes with the posing? I love I love how the glute tuck it all it always comes up in conversation. It's such it's such a sort of well-renowned conversation. But um in yeah, so BMBF, they're renowned for not liking the tuck. But in no, I think in WMBF I did I did luckily what I always strive to do is get lean enough where to you don't need to fully tuck to see detail. I think that's that's the best sort of mixture between the two. So if, if you get lean enough to where you can sort of semi-tuck. But then it does take away from sort of like back your back shots as well. But I'm fortunate enough that I have a relatively, you know, decent back shot that it doesn't take away too much from it. Um, I think the only the only noticeable difference as well is the WMBF ask you for um, your side poses on both sides, and that is an absolute nightmare because up until about two weeks before that show, I'd never even touched my other side for a side tricep or a side chest so it feels so alien to do it um so that i think they didn't look too bad but they certainly don't look like the other side and it just feels so awkward to hit it but um yeah that's kind of the only the only differences really um and also what i've never posed for so long in my life obviously it's a high standard they're trying to pick out the best but we were hitting we were hitting quarter turns for 
I believe it was about 15 minutes. Like no, no, no muscularity round, just sort of quarter turns. Um, and annoyingly, the muscularity round didn't even last too long. It was only a few minutes, really, I think. But um, and for someone, in my opinion, that doesn't have the best shape, that wasn't the best for me. But in in the end, I ended up say, staying center stage the whole time for the symmetry round, which I was amazed at. But um, yeah, that was the only difference. But I can remember just shaking the whole time even though I, I i watched the footage back and i wasn't actually shaking i just felt like i was pretending to smile the whole time i've got a grin on my face but i was i was in some pain the whole time what do you think about competitors not um grinning on stage or like just a neutral expression i think i i honestly think it gets noticed and i honestly do think it takes away from the look as well because i i've been told before because this year i was it was very unlike me and I was really nervous going into shows and I didn't quite have the same sort of expression on my face. I got told at some shows, especially the WNBF UK, they said like, look like you're enjoying it. And for finals, I went out there and did, but it, I, I believe it does take away from the look, especially if you've got like an angry look on your face. Mm. Um, and it does not necessarily in bodybuilding, but certainly in other things. I know like DY physique, for example, I can't imagine boys hitting those, fairy poses and not smiling um sorry yeah and the shade has been thrown it's men's bikini by the way oh sorry <laughs> fairy's not politically correct over here actually i shouldn't say that <laughs> do you even have a division like that over in the uh uk like i guess like a men's fitness like it's like physique but i guess with they or... they don't they don't have any in natural in any of the natural federations um, they have they they have a few in the enhanced. Um, there's one called Muscle Model. Yeah, so that yeah. that sounds that sounds a little bit more. Does that sound a bit more masculine than men's physique? Muscle Model. Yeah, yeah. they they used to have a Muscle Model division over here, but the recent show they took it out and replaced it with uh, Wellness. What men's Wellness? <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting, though. They replaced the division with our uh, female wellness. Oh no, no, our muscle model was a, a, a male division. Yeah, yeah, we used um, to have sure. that one, but they just canned it. They they canned it and swapped it to a female division. Unfortunately, can you DC imagine men's well, wellness? Though? Well, it's an, it's yeah, an easy swap to make, really. DC would be perfect for it. The little trunks on him. <laughs> it, it, Small he'd be all there. over it he'd have it covered head to toe Dude, that's why i'm just waiting for for my next season to you know gets kick-started i'm just waiting for this division to hopefully show up and you could keep some of the fairy poses so way nice and big as well there you go exactly man dc men's wellness pro <laughs> yeah. there you go <laughs> and could you imagine yeah, was... definitely have the rear glute spread in that one yeah awesome. yeah this guy is an avid listener of the podcast. For sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you can tell. <laughs> what one question we got from the listener was, uh, how was it like for being shredded so long? Because like you were peeled and you had to hold that condition pretty much for like multiple shows and weeks on end. I think I didn't realize how long it was till I looked back. Um, I put a reel up because I was putting a reel up the other day and I, I think I dieted for 16 weeks for my first show. And then obviously the, the end, the last show was about 40 weeks. So I held it for about 24 weeks. Um, obviously, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't I wouldn't recommend that. Um, uh, the, the, re the reason that, how that came about was I, I got in condition a lot quicker than I thought. 
it had been a five-year off-season. I wasn't sure how quickly I, I wasn't even sure whether, whether I'd be able to diet well again because it had been so long. You know, it had been five years since I'd prepped. Um, but I, I, I did come in a lot quicker than I thought. Um, I, I don't know. The, the thing is, I, I switch off to a lot of kind of like my emotions as such when I prep and I just, I've got a job to do. Um, but I can't say it was, you know, easy. But to be fair, I was eating a decent amount. My food never got too low. So, you know, like I said, at the end of some prep, some before some shows, I was eating 4,000 calories before it. But, you know, that still doesn't change how you feel really in terms of like an energy standpoint and hormonally. Um, energy, I was dragging pretty hard. And you won't notice it on here now because I have a permanent filter on my voice through teaching and also just through education whereby... I articulate myself quite well so that you can understand me. Whereas my my actual voice is does have quite a Welsh twang to it. So I do have an accent. But if I was to speak like that to everyone, not only would I come across as quite stupid and dull, but also a lot of them wouldn't understand. And since moving to the north of England, I've had to sort of keep it up. And in prep, because my energy was so low, I didn't have the energy to to actually filter my voice. So my accent went back and reverted to my original accent. And I quickly noticed that people were saying, what are you talking about? Like they, they, couldn't, they couldn't understand me and they've been able to understand me all this time. And as soon as I go into prep, that filter went. Um, just little things like that. My, my, my sort of pace of walking was well, like extremely low, like slow. Um, but yeah, I don't, the problem is when you're, when you're in it for so long, you don't really notice the changes because they slowly creep in and then they're just there. And you almost think that's how it, when you prep for that long, you almost think that's who you are and how things are. But it's only till you come out of prep that you realize that that's, that's not the case. Mm, yeah, four weeks to be in like stage condition. That would have just, that would have hurt like no other. Like I couldn't imagine DC for 24 weeks holding that BK condition. That would, I remember thinking that cause it was six weeks before, before my, like in between my first show and my last. And when the first show, by the time that comes around and like, you know, you obviously the fatigue kicks in, your feet are dragging. Yeah. You know, like you always second guess it. You're like, shit, can I, can I hold it for another six weeks? Like this is a lot. And I'm sure DC was the same, like holding it to nationals. Like when the, when the pro guard is like, yeah, I could do it, but it's like, this is such a drag and it feels so hard. So I just could never imagine having to do that for like 24 weeks. That's, mm. that's something else. I think, you didn't I think at that stage, you, you literally just concentrate on like one meal at a time, one training session at a time, like yeah. one day at a time. Like <laughs> that's how I was trying to rationalize it anyway, because I, I thought of the big picture as in, I've got to hold it for this many weeks moving forward. It's like, oh shit. You know, that's, that's when it can look kind of overbearing with regards to what what's required right but uh like one step at a time <laughs> that's the that's the focus i think i always had the mentality that i could still be better i could still look better so i think that kind of pushed me on you know because like i didn't win my first show of the year i came second um and i thought you know what, if i could be better for the next one and then it kind of just went on and on then so i always I think maybe because I wasn't truly happy with any of my looks this year, even though I did well, um, and that's me being very critical, I think that allowed me to carry on going because I, I knew I could always be that little bit better and the next show allowed me an opportunity to display that.
you mentioned you had a five-year off-season. Like, that is, that's a huge off-season. Are you planning to have something like that going into your next show? Or are you going to compete? I hope not. I, I, hope, I hope not, because the reason I say give it two about... years and then give Jack the smoke yeah. here at the world. <laughs> two years, give Jack the smoke at the WMBF. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hoping to do, like, a, a two, a two to three. Um, I don't want to be doing a five again. The five came about was because I knew I needed two or three years to sort out a few physical niggles I had. And then it coincided with COVID one year. And then the next year I, I put it off again, just because it was like, Oh, I know I can be better. I'm on a really good run this off season. Cause I was, I almost didn't want to give that up. So I had another year at it, which I'm, I'm quite glad I did because um, I, it was a very successful year that off season. Um, I do kind of wish I competed in COVID year because I was one of the people who was fortunate enough to have access to a gym the whole time. Mm. So I definitely would have had the upper hand in that regard. So I'm kind of uh, a bit annoyed I didn't at the time. But then again, it, it probably wouldn't have allowed me to have the successful offseason I did. But no, I'm not looking to do a five-year again because by the end of it, there were whispers of, well, not even whispers. I was being heckled for it, that I was a retired bodybuilder. Yeah. I mean, that's what the guys tell me on the podcast. So, and I'm just doing three years. But uh, I think I had um, one, one of the more final questions I had for you was around like the weight versus height classes. Cause I know in, in WMBF, they do weight and mainly in the UK, they do weight. But in Australia, they mainly do height. I'm, I'm frozen again, but this one's not quite as bad. This, that's, that's my good side. It's not too bad. Um, I think. I'm definitely edging on preferring the height um, classes because I'll be honest, the the weight classes this the weight classes not just this year but in general have always caused me great issues. Um, I remember in my first first year competing in men's open, um, I'd been I competed at two shows. I was a middleweight in both of those shows. Um, one won both of my classes as a middleweight, went to finals. This was BMBF at the time. Um, went to the finals and everyone else had a... Oh, wow, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and I had um, I had an evening weigh-in where a lot, of, a lot of the athletes had a morning weigh-in because you could just weigh in whatever time you wanted. Mm -hmm. And I turned up in the evening and my weigh-in... I weighed something like eight pounds heavier than I had been the whole week because it was carb loading and water loading on the same day. And I actually woke up the next day to look at the, look at the sheet and they, I was a middleweight, a uh, heavyweight. So I'd competed all year as a middleweight and then I'd fallen heavyweights then. So I, I do feel that year that bumped me out of a British title. And this year, because people say you shouldn't chase weight, but you're bound to. If you know people that are in certain categories you're going to chase that weight class if you which i did this year for middleweights like i touched upon at the start even though it didn't work and it came back to bite me in the ass because liam turned up out of nowhere so because their argument is you should chase the look not the weight so they say you know as long as you look you, you want to look your best but at the end of the day you know looking your best doesn't carry the title around to a british type british champion um however I say about chasing weight, I was chasing height this year as well. And I don't like to admit it because it makes me look like a cheat. But 
when there were talks of potentially that I could be facing Adam Powell, at, we we wanted to go to um, the Olympia together, myself and Adam Powell, because we're quite quite good friends. That we were going to try and going to set it up that he do one class at finals and I do the other. So you know when you go tan, you know when you have spray tans and you put the little um, things under your feet to stop mm. your feet getting the tan on. I was going to buy multiple ones of those and put them under my feet for when we hiked today. <laughs> so even if it was like one or two, because I was right on the cusp. So if I had to knock myself like that much higher, I shouldn't really be admitting this on a podcast. But then, <laughs> then we. But it turns out in the end they got rid of the they because basically middleweights was going to get split in two. It was going to be tall middles and short middles. But in the end they got rid of it and it was just a middle. So in the end, I didn't have to be a cheat. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely prefer the heights because there's no stress really about it. You know, you are the height you are. You can maybe plus or minus a few centimeters if you stretch it out or what time of day it is, or if you pull pull a heavy deadlift a couple of minutes before, but that's not really gonna, you know, it's not really gonna make much of a difference. So I definitely prefer the height because it gets rid of the stress side of it. What, how tall are you, what, like 5'11"? 510. Yeah, yeah, 511. So that sees me for WNBF. It's literally on on the cusp of the height. And UKDFBA, I think it's like 178, I mm. think, is like the top end of middles. So you know, anything over you go into tall. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I was edging on boosting myself up or down, depending on who was turning up. I'm I'm definitely a bigger fan of the the height classes as well. Like it just it's never made sense for me to compete with people of drastic different um, height for uh, at least. And for also, the it looks cards. it looks really strange on stage as well. It it makes for a much better showing aesthetically if the whole line is sort of of similar height. And I I think it makes it much surely it makes it much easier to judge as well mm. if they're all of similar height because then you can see what's the difference in shape and muscularity. What which is why it's going to be really interesting at the Arnold this year when you've got. Sean Clarida, who's probably going to end up placing next to Samson Dowder, who, you know, it's night and day difference in terms of height and weight. You know, Samson's literally a hundred pounds heavier. So it's going to be very interesting with that. All yes. we need is the, um, is Sean Clarida next to Jamie Joe Hall on stage for the ultimate comparison. That would be, uh... Well, well they, they're both sponsored by Mutant, aren't they? So I think they have done a few photo shoots together, which would be quite funny. Yeah. I mean, Eddie Hall started bodybuilding. He's pretty tall, so... <laughs> he he actually trains at the gym uh he trains at the same gym that george osborne trains at now i noticed so, that yeah. um he's he's gonna try and i think he's gonna try and get a collaboration with uh, him but there was like, like a meme going around where it was sean clarita had obviously won the 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 two on two and i think it was brian shaw like went and, and gave the uh the medal to him or whatever and just the contrast in the difference in height was 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 tremendous yeah yeah, and uh, Jack, I suppose as we come down the stretch here, mate, I suppose the final question is just, you know, give us an, a bit of an insight into what 2023 has in store for you and what you've got planned in terms of business stuff and, and your own journey as an athlete as well. Yeah, I think definitely need a big year in terms of business. I'll be pushing that a lot more because especially towards the tail end of this year with how focused I was on prep. Um, obviously, all current athletes still got the same service, but in terms of like, 
putting myself out there, putting my services out there, I went almost like completely off the radar, you know. Um, so definitely a bit more. I'm going to, I've started to outsource a few more professionals in terms of helping me because I've been very stubborn in the fact that I don't get help through other people. So even like people like accountants and I know the business mentors aren't, um, it's not necessarily them, but just broadening my knowledge in terms of how I advertise myself. This and the other. So definitely looking to widen the sort of coaching because um, I had quite a successful year with athletes this year. You know, I had a, I had a British champion, I had multiple um, regional champ, regional champions. Um, so that's, that's it in terms of business. I'm currently relocating as well. Um, my lease and my property is up at the end of this year, uh, end of this month, I mean. So I'll be, uh, I'll be moving locations there. So I've got a stressful couple of weeks now because if any of you saw how long it took me to put up a wardrobe last year, it's quite a daunting fact that I now have to take it down and put it back up in the new the new house. So I'm dreading that, but that's all to come. You're to staying speak. in the north? Yeah, yeah. I think it's still going to be the sort of Rotherham area. Um, because on, honestly, it, in my opinion, there are very, it's got to be in the like in the talk of one of the best gyms in the world. Mm. You know, it's it has the kit is incredible. We're very fortunate in the fact that Kuba runs the gym and obviously he wants the best kit. Um, luckily for him to be selfish and want the best kit for himself, it benefits all of us as well. Right? He honestly handpicks it all, and it's and, and AJ even has a word in it with him as well. So we, the kit's amazing, just in terms of like an atmosphere as well. You know, it's there's multiple IFBB pros in there. There's a few natural pros in there, and uh, yeah, definitely looking to stay up there. Just because where I am in South Wales now, which is home where my parents are. Um, you know, it's an hour and a half before I'm even out of this country. And everything in terms of bodybuilding is always in England. So for me just to travel to any shows, it's I know for Australians and Americans, the drive doesn't seem the same because, you know, your countries are so much bigger than ours. But, you know, it's quite an extensive drive for me to be driving four hours just to go to a bodybuilding show. Whereas if I'm up north, it's a lot closer. There's also a lot more bodybuilders. This, that, and the other. And it's just, there's a lot more going on there as well. Um, yeah, so definitely looking to stay up north. Um, I'll probably eventually end up buying up there as well, which is quite exciting. Um, and then just in terms of myself as an athlete, uh, I've got it, it. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm fully aware that I disclose most things on social media, but I need to get on top of a lot of things, not just physically, but mentally. You know, the prep took quite a bit of a toll on me. So, um, I'm, I need a, a big year in terms of getting on top of that. So that's, uh, which, which I'm, I'm fully confident I can. It's already, I think the prep affected the prep. A lot of things that I attributed to me struggling mentally were just the, the product of a prep. So now that I'm coming out of it, I see a lot more clear and stuff. So um, yeah, definitely excited for a big year in all regards because I, I need it to be honest. Um, but this year has definitely motivated me a lot, especially the world's because you know without being salty I, I felt I was in the running to win that show I know I came fourth but I can see arguments for me you know potentially winning it so that's that's really motivating for someone like myself to, to see that I, I'm up there so you know on, on any other day that that could have been me you know a WNBF pro and I know with a with a few off seasons that that is you know definitely I'm definitely capable of that mm. I, I stupidly 
I was too keen to go and get a pizza after the show that I didn't go back to the hotel and ask for feedback because it would have been interesting to hear their feedback, to be honest. Um, I do regret it now, but at the time, the the, the best pizzeria in LA was calling, so um, we quickly got a shot there. Yeah, well, the fat kid inside of you came out. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't control it. No. <laughs> uh, so, do boys, do you any, any last questions for the great man before we let him go? That's it for me. Dy, that is the quietest you've ever been on an episode. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, we'll have to wrap it up there. I, I might have brought up the the sock, the tanning sock, but I think we'll leave that. We'll leave that. We already touched on it a little bit. It oh, was I'll on my notes. What, in, in, in LA, I turned up to the tanning the day before the show, and I'd forgotten my sock. And and I said to, I said to the woman, I've I've forgotten it, and she was goes, it doesn't doesn't bother me at all. So just stand there, all out, no issues. That was my first experience of that. It it took a while to get used to it, but in the end, I just, just got to accept it. And don't forget the salt shaker, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I tell a lot you what, goes I down backstage. Some- I got some very strange DMs after that. I can tell you. <laughs> very strange. <laughs> they just message you, but, but, you know, P for P. I, I can't expect anything else. I did sort of welcome it with that. You know. Yeah. One post is cock sock. Next one, you got a salt shaker in your mouth. Like, there's bound to be some messages G for P. Hey, like, hey those 25,000 followers don't come from nowhere, DY. What's well, that grapefruit doing on the back of your, your kitchen bench there, too? <laughs> Kai Green? <laughs> <laughs> oh no mate well i must say like it, it's always great following along and you know it's good to see some some personalities in bodybuilding because it, it's good to have people that actually enjoy following give you a bit of a laugh and you enjoy following along so we appreciate it man awesome no, that means a lot thank you guys no well thanks for coming on mate it's a pleasure we'll have to get you on again in the future um but ladies and gentlemen you know make sure that you tag jack when you post up uh, that you're listening to the episode this week we'll have all of his uh, ig and all that listed below along with his coaching services as well but uh once again thanks for coming on today man. thank you very much for having me guys